0: Welcome to the Hudson Wesleyan Church Podcast, a recording of the weekly messages of Pastor Wesley Rowan during the Sunday worship service. We trust the time you spend listening will enhance your relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, here is Pastor Wes. I want to invite you to turn to James chapter 2. James chapter 2. I'm not going to read this whole thing for you, but in verse 14, through 24 in James chapter 2, James is talking about faith and works, and he's saying, do you have faith? If you have faith, shouldn't your faith show up in what you do? And if it's not showing up in what you do, is it really faith? We've talked about that before. We'll maybe mention it in a little bit, but I just want you to know the context of what he is saying. And for an example of what it means to have faith and do something about it, he harkens back to the story that Carrie read to us from Genesis. And he says in verse 20, Are you willing to recognize that faith without works is useless? And then he says this, "'Was not Abraham our father justified by works "'when he offered up Isaac, his son, on the altar? "'You see that faith was working with his works, "'and as a result of the works, faith was perfected. "'And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, "'Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him "'as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God.'" James, thousands of years later, when writing about what does it look like to actually say you believe and then live out what you believe, he chooses this example from Abraham's life. It was accounted to Abraham that he was righteous because his faith was lived out and how he behaved. Namely, when God said to offer up his only son, he did it. I know that Carrie read the account for us, but I want to invite you to go back into that scene with me. We are not 100% sure just how shocked Abraham was that God said to him, go to the mountain that I will show you and sacrifice your son Isaac. The fact is, though Abraham has had an ongoing relationship with God, still the the presence of this one true God who calls him out of sort of his pagan land and into this unique relationship with him is fairly new. When we think about that God, we think Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, right? Moses, David, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Mary, Joseph. None of that's taken place yet. Abraham is in the infancy of his relationship, of this centuries-long centuries relationship between God, between Yahweh, and his people. The land around Abraham is filled with pagan religions, some of whom sacrificed their children on altars to appease the non-existent deities that they worshipped. And so it is possible that when God said to Abraham, take your son and go sacrifice him, that while it was a shock to Abraham's system, because remember, this is the one that was promised. We talked a little a little while ago about the fact a, a, a week ago about the fact that God um, has called Abraham and he has promised him a son so that he would make his, his, his family and his name great, and he's gonna bless the earth through this son. Abraham tries to take things into his, his own power and, and produce that son. That's not what God had in mind. Sarah conceives and bears this child at some 90 years old. So Abraham's come through all of that, and okay, good, now all right, we're on track. This is the child of the promise that God has given me, and God says, I want you to take him and go sacrifice him to me on the mountain. So while that part of it was a shock to Abraham, because isn't this the child you promised me, we don't know to what extent maybe Abraham was thinking, is this the kind of God that I too serve? Maybe this is, is how he is. Maybe this is what he demands of me. These other religions that seem so different from how I interact with my God, maybe, maybe not. Whatever the case, he's the one that gave me this child. He's the one that has called me. He's the one that has spoken to me. I will go. And I will take my son. Biblical scholars tell us that Isaac may have been as old as between 16 and 20. 20. Whatever the case, he was certainly old enough to help carry the wood for the sacrifice, so he was no little boy. A teenager, probably. And the heart of our humanity shrinks back against what God is asking Abraham to do. Now, we have our Bibles So we know where the story is headed. So what we are overwhelmed with in this scenario is not whether or not Abraham's actually going to have to sacrifice his son. We know he's not going to have to do it. But what we are overwhelmed with is that God would ever have put Abraham in that situation. If anybody comes to me in my office, Pastor, I need counsel. God has told me I need to go sacrifice my child. There are several things that I'm going to do. None of them is say, well, if that's what God's telling you to do. That's not part of the conversation. So the fact that we feel like we serve a God who would put Abraham in that position all to prove something to himself about whether or not Abraham is really devoted to him. Think with me. They leave the camp. After a couple of days, they leave behind the servants who are there tending the animals, and they continue on foot. Abraham with the knife and the fire. Isaac with the wood on his back. And Isaac says... Hey Dad, um, we're missing something. The times that Isaac had probably helped his father perform sacrifices, innumerable perhaps. So he knows the pattern. He knows the system. He knows what's supposed to happen, and he says, "Um, Dad, we have forgotten the sacrifice. We have forgotten the animal." And when he asks, it's probably very benign. It's probably uh, you know, dad's dad's getting up there in age a little bit. You know, he thought he had everything put together, and he he just forgot something. You know, I mean, you know, dad was a little bit old when I was born to begin with. So this is just going to be my life. You know, <laughs> balancing that very fine line of of trying to, to to raise your parents. You know, and what am I going to do? And, and Abraham says. God will provide the Lamb. Now, again, in our New Testament reverse reading of this story, we want to say, ah, Abraham thought God is going to, God's going to do something here, right? God's going to provide. But I'm not sure at all that's what Abraham meant because I think in Abraham's mind, what he's actually thinking is, even if it is you, my son, God has prepared the sacrifice. He just could not bring himself to say to Isaac, that might be what God is providing, is you. So they arrived to the place of sacrifice on the mountain and in doing so they begin to set up all of the things that they would use to create the sacrifice they put the wood in place the kindling so that they can light the fire so that they can offer the sacrifice. And then comes the moment where Abraham has to reveal to Isaac what God's plan actually is. Abraham's over a hundred years old, okay? Isaac's probably somewhere in his teen years. Abraham is not binding and lifting Isaac onto this altar by himself. They didn't bring the servants with them. Isn't that profound? I, Abraham knows at the base of the mountain when they leave the serpents that he's gonna have to find a way to get Isaac on that altar and get him to stay there. But he doesn't bring the helpers with him. Matthew's almost 14. I still remind him from time to time that if I need to force him to do something, I have all of the capabilities I need to force him to do it. But my day is quickly coming to an end in that department. Hundred plus year old Abraham knows he's not lifting his teenage son onto that altar if he struggles, but he brings no help. And here is where we are at most sickened with God in this story. Yes, what's he doing to Abraham? But what is this doing to Isaac? Isaac, complete trust in his father, must willingly participate in his own slaughter. And again, our mind goes to God, you can do better than that. You don't need this trauma that will be there in the rest of the life of Abraham and Isaac. In order to prove his faithfulness to you, Isaac's never going to forget this moment. And as parents, as people who care about the next generation that comes after us, we're just we shrink back from God. What? What in the world? Prove it some other way, right? I mean, you send send Moses to go speak to Pharaoh. You divide the Red Sea. You do something. But you don't put his son on the altar and allow him to get within inches of slicing his throat just to prove that he trusts you. Except he does And as Abraham raises the knife and prepares to plunge it into his son's flesh, God says, Wait. Wait. I have heard people tell this story and say, that the angel of the lord literally had to grab abraham's wrist because he had to have been on such a just on such a nervous edge of just being overwhelmed with the emotion of what was about to happen that he he may have not even been able to stop his his motion once it had started whatever the course god stays him and over in the bushes there's a ram that is caught And God says, now I know that you would not withhold your only son. Go and sacrifice the ram instead. And in our 21st century desire to make all things, as Carrie mentioned earlier, sort of a a Disney-like feel to all stories, we kind of go, oh, see, God, he had it all figured out all along thank you know well, thank the lord he he had provided and and he never planned for this to happen he never planned for it to go forward but if we will take a moment and think about what god actually even suggested on that day we would say we would say god and abraham are both out of their minds and so in the book of hebrews the Hebrew author says, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promise that is Abraham was offering up his only begotten son. It was he to whom it had been said, Isaac, your descendants will be called through him. And he considered that God was able to raise people from, even from the dead, from which he is also receiving him back as a type. That the Hebrew author is saying, Abraham thought Best case scenario, I kill him and God brings him back to life. Now I want you to think because this is what we probably have a tendency to do when we read this story. I want you to think. Think about your sons. Think about your daughters. Think about your nieces and your nephews and your grandkids. And think of the impossibility of what God asked Abraham to do that day. You would walk away from God before you would ever take a step in the direction of doing what he suggested Abraham do. And so would I. We would say, that's not God. That might be something else, but that's not God. I want you to think about that, about the impossibility of the horror. Isaac knows what what the sacrificial death blow looks like. He knows where the knife goes in the animal's neck. He has seen it done. He's done it himself many times. He knows what is about to happen to him. And there stands his father, not just approving of what's about to happen, but executing it himself. Think about it. And now, let your mind race forward a few thousand years. Because that feeling that you have of how horrific and abominable it is to sacrifice your own child or even suggest that you would sacrifice your own child The God of the universe knows exactly what he asked Abraham to do. For he laid the wood of the sacrifice on his perfect son's back. And sent him up a hill, knowing that there would be no 11th hour Abraham moment on this day. The son who had cried to him in the garden, Father, if there is any other way to do this, then let's do it that way. would have no reprieve on this day. God, who is above time, you don't think that while he watched Abraham struggle in Genesis, he was already feeling the pain of his son. Christ, the eternal word from before the world began, you think that as he watches Isaac climbing onto that altar, he is not already aware of the cross that he will pick up? Oh, yes, he is. And as he stays Abraham's hand and points to the ram in the bushes, you don't think that the triune God, the three persons of the Trinity aren't looking down and knowing that the only reason that that ram can even be offered as a substitute for Isaac is that because one day the son will become the perfect lamb that will be offered In all of our steads. And this isn't even a human offering alone that God is going to make. See, Isaac was just human. And while his father loved him dearly, Isaac had erred. He had had done bad things. He had probably had days and times when he had not been a very good son growing up. Jesus will hang on the cross as a perfect, sinless human being with an eternal divine nature that has coexisted with his father and with the Spirit for all of eternity. And he will say... Father, why have you abandoned me? Whatever horror you feel about what God put Abraham through and Isaac through, realize that God himself was going to face the day where there was no other option for that sacrifice. Did God really need to prove to, to himself that Abraham was faithful? Doesn't God know everything? Couldn't he just check in the registry in heaven somewhere and say, Abraham, faithful. Okay, there, we got it. Why do we need to put him through this? I don't know. I think at the very least, God needed it to be on public record how faithful Abraham was. But make no mistake about it, this is one of the most clear foreshadowings in the Old Testament of what was going to have to happen. Now hear me. God says to Abraham, now I know that you would trust me. But when Jesus hangs on the cross, he is not trying to prove anybody's faithfulness. No. No. There's nothing to prove by Jesus dying. There was something to prove when he rose from the dead. But there was nothing to prove by Jesus dying. The only thing that Jesus dying accomplished, the only reason a father would go through that pain and that agony and that frustration, the only reason a son would say, Father, why have you abandoned me? What what are we doing here? The only reason any of that is true is because there was a need so deep that God was willing to go through all of that in order to fix it. So here's the reality. He was bruised and beaten and slaughtered for our iniquities. The chastisement of our sins was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Do you hear it? God doesn't send Jesus to the cross to prove something. He sends him to the cross to undo something. I fear that sometimes in our desire to understand or even participate in a relationship with a loving God, a loving Father who cares about us and wants what's best for us, that we convert that relationship into some sort of a, um, a light and fluffy, positive experience that God is there to give us a better version of ourselves because he loves us. But right now, the only hope that I have or you have of eternal life, the only reason that we are here, the only reason that we gather for worship, the reason this emblem is splashed across Christian history, more than the sign of the empty tomb, more than any other symbol that has been part of our tradition. The reason that it is this one is because we were so far gone in our relationship with God that he saddled his son with a cross and with your sin and slaughtered him as an eternal sacrifice. And when we walk in the doors to worship, when we open up the word at home, when we go through our days, when we interact with other people, it is this sacrifice that is providing every bit of the atonement and grace that we need. It is not lighthearted. It is not, well, isn't it great that God's good to us? It is that God did what Abraham barely could imagine. He did what he didn't ask Abraham to eventually follow through on. He sent his son to be the slaughtered sacrifice, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And if we fast forward to the very end of the story, the picture that we get from Revelation is they gathered all around the throne or the saints and the beings of heaven who continually bow down before that one, Jesus Christ, and say, worthy is the lamb who was slain. What Isaac couldn't have done if he had been executed on the altar, Jesus did when he hung on the cross. What you are unable to do by being sorry or trying harder or wanting better or getting yourself help or even by reading the Bible or even by attending church, which you are unable to do for yourself, Jesus, the Lamb of God, did when he hung on the tree. And so our eternal employment will be to worship God the Father and God the Spirit, but to look particularly at the Son and say it is because of him that we are here. My friends, I'm just I want to get very real fruit with you for a second and then we're just gonna go. I this isn't even in my notes, so you know it's dangerous. <sighs> Look, it's not always easy coming into a worship service when maybe the numbers aren't quite what you would thought they would be, and you feel a little more conspicuous because there's fewer people here and there's a thousand other things you could be doing and that that you know we we, things are in the back of your mind, oh, I gotta remember to do this later today and whatever. But can I remind you that the employment of this exercise is not something that we're just doing to make ourselves check a box in our spiritual lives. It is to once again practice the routine of turning our attention to the lamb who died in our place. And the horror and the bloodiness and the awfulness of what Abraham thought God was going to make him do was genuinely experienced by the Son and the Father on the day that he hung on the cross. And so when you are here, or if you're watching from home this morning, whatever else we may wish this was, this is an opportunity for us to once again Gaze at Jesus and remember. I want to invite you to stand with me as we get ready to close this morning. I know most of you pretty well, and I suspect that Most of you are in the place or in a position of where you need to be with the Lord. Some of you watching at home, I don't know who all watches these videos, so that may not be true for everyone. But I want to just invite you for a second, because as I was preparing this message and, and thinking about it, I felt like I really couldn't end this service without at least making the petition to you do you know are you certain that you have indeed accepted this gift that he did for you i don't know i hope you're watching at home i hope that you have but I don't want our church and our experience to just be about let's make let's be better people. Let's be a great force for good in our community. Let's be the kind of people that that you know others will see and say, "Hey, those are good folks. Those are good Christian people." I hope all of that is true. But at the end of the day, I want you and I to be people who are experiencing the saving reality of what God did to His Son on that cross. And if you do not have that forgiving relationship with Jesus I'm here to tell you you are in a bad place spiritually he didn't send him to the cross so we could have nice Christianity and good worship services he sent him to the cross so that he would become what the Bible calls the propitiation for our sins, the the stand in the gap, the methodology that the Father would use to forgive us for all the things that we have done wrong. So if you know that that has happened to you this morning, then can I invite you to take these couple of moments while I pray to once again thank your Heavenly Father for doing what Abraham would not have been able to do. And to once again ask the Lord to make it a lived out reality in your life that you know you have been redeemed. And if by any chance you are here this morning and you do not have a forgiving relationship with him, then today is the day. Can can you imagine if Abraham had sacrificed Isaac and then gone back down the mountain and said, "Hey, I, I had to do this thing that God said, but now, but now we have the opportunity to have a perfect relationship with Him." And all the people had said, "Well, that's nice, ho hum," and gone on about their routines. Abraham would have never been able to accept what he had done to his son, but God the Father has done this for us. Let's not turn our backs on it now. Let's not ignore. Let's not pass let's not try to just think well some other day the bible tells us that today is the day of salvation what do you mean today when was that written what did the author mean that was the specific day no it means whatever day you hear it that's the day whatever day it's offered to you that's the day and it'll change your life let's bow our heads we're gonna pray If you know that you are not in a saving relationship with Jesus, my friends, I'm begging you, I'm asking you, respond to him today. You can come forward and pray. We have an altar right here. You know, we've been talking about the altar where Isaac was sacrificed today. We've been talking about the altar of the cross. This is not an altar where blood is spilled. This is an altar where we just come and by coming, we admit that we are having to die out to me so that he can live in me. Maybe you need that. Maybe you need to just make that public confession this morning maybe you need to make a private confession maybe you need to tell the lord something in the quietness of your own heart i'm not going to tell you how it has to be done i'm going to tell you you need to do it and if you're watching at home and you're you've been listening and and participating in this uh, service that way i want to to tell you and remind you as well that I would love to pray for you and pray with you. You can respond to what um, has been going on in the service this morning as well. Lord Jesus, we thank you for being the sacrifice for our sin that opens up the door of forgiveness with the Father. Lord, if there is anyone In this room or within the sound of my voice online today, who is not walking in a forgiving relationship with you, may now be the moment of conviction. Speak to their hearts, draw them out, Lord, remind them that they need you. For we are eternally lost without you. Renew our faith. Remind us that we have been called children of God. If you would like me to pray with you this morning or if you would even just like to pray quietly and you would like to come to this place of prayer, this altar, you're welcome to come. I know we've been here a while. The closer we got to this service, the more I felt this message building. My friends, would anyone else say, Lord, I just, I need to, I need to make sure I got this right with you. I don't don't want this to be a a moment that passes me by. Maybe you've been walking with the Lord and and, and being as faithful as you know to be, but you've not come to that moment of saying, you know what, I I gotta shed myself here and let him be the one that lives in me. you are faithful and true. We want our eternal existence to be around the throne of heaven, singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts and worthy is the Lamb who was slain from before the foundation of the world. He is worthy to receive all the honor and the glory and the blessing. Lord, may it be so. final request i make of you my friends maybe you have accepted this act of jesus maybe you're walking in faith with him but maybe this morning you know that there is something that has been standing between you and a complete total surrender to him it's that thing that you've gone back to it's that thing you've wrestled over it's that thing that you've questioned And up to this point, you have just hoped that maybe you were going to be able to coexist with it in your Christian life. But maybe not. And today, maybe you have realized that the sacrifice of Christ requires all of us. And you would just like to admit to the Father, I give that thing over to you. Friends, today is the day of salvation. The one who offered up his own son for you stands ready to forgive you. There may be others. I don't know what all God's got planned for the future of this congregation, but if lives are being transformed for his glory, then we're doing the business of Jesus. Anyone else who would come and pray. Maybe there's someone, and again, those who are responding online at, at home, if you go to that response site, it's just gonna come to me personally. I'll get in touch with you, I'll pray with you. But if there's anyone here in the sanctuary that might just say, Pastor, I'm I'm in a place right now, any number of places spiritually, but I need you to be praying for me. I'm struggling, I'm wrestling, I'm I'm questioning some things. I just need you to pray, I need you to pray for me. I Maybe I'd love to, to have a private conversation with you. If you're in that boat this morning, no one else is looking around, just slip your hand up, say, hey, that's me. There's not so many of us here this morning. I see that hand in that one too. pray for you. Anyone else? God is moving. He's working. I see that hand. Thank you. Thank you. My friends, let's, let's not pass by this moment. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you see the hearts of those who have come here to the altar place to call out to you. You know what's going on in their situation. You know everything about them. Lord, you know the hearts of those who have raised their hands and responded this morning and said, I I need something deeper. I'm wrestling. I... You who sent Jesus to die for our sins, we beg you. Do the work of your goodwill today. Forgive, restore, draw us near to you. May our hearts be surrendered. And Lord, forgive us for friends as we wind down the service this morning you are welcome to stay and to pray if you would like to if you want to stay in your seats and sit there and pray you're you're welcome to we're not going to do anything else to conclude our service it's really just between you and the Lord I'd be happy to pray with you if, or talk with you if you would like that, but if you just need to do some business with Jesus, this is a great place to do it. Lord, we give you praise for all that you are doing. Grant us your grace and peace, we pray. And we will trust you with everything about ourselves. pray these things in the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord. This message is a ministry of Hudson Wesleyan Church, where our mission is to see lives transformed for the glory of God. For more information, you may contact the church at 517-448-6411 or at HudsonWesleyan.org. Thank you for listening, and may God richly bless you.